Tonight I have a really exciting story for you guys. It is the, uh, we're going to go through the book of Joshua. So in all of this, in your handout, we have where we've been up until now. Um, <laughs> last week, uh, Nancy talked about, <coughs> excuse me, uh, how the Israelites were wandering through the desert for 40 years. God had taken them out of um, out of Egypt and out of slavery. And so now we are going to enter into the promised land. So uh, the teaching for tonight is called Living a Life of Courage. Does anybody feel like you are currently living a life of courage? Cool. We, we have two people in the crowd. <laughs> That's awesome. Then we're going to go through this. Um, God wants all of his children to get to the promised land. And that looks like something different, as Nancy talked about and touched on last week. She asked everybody, what does your promised land look like for you? And, uh, you know, the question is, why are we not all in that promised land? Why are we... Um, wandering in the desert, you know, um, kind of waiting upon God, you know, some of us are, and, you know, we're all, you know, in different stages in our, in our life, and going through different things, but I know the one big thing that holds us back from really entering into that promised land, whatever that looks like for you, it could be, uh, it could be marriage, or it could be success in your, um, in your career, it could look like having peace in your life, you know, the list is really endless, but God really ultimately wants all of his children to be blessed and experience his rest and peace. And that's what the promised land looked like for uh, the Israelites. And so I just wanted to go through a quick list for us tonight um, of, uh, of the big thing that holds us back from get getting to our promised land, and it's fear. Fear holds us back from living a life of courage. You know, when you think the opposite of courage, it's, you know, somebody that lives in fear, who doesn't move. So um, if, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and so we're going to look at this list and see what's holding you back personally. We're just going to quickly do the list and I want you guys to take a look at it and see if anything lives for you with where you're at right now. Okay, it's okay. So I'll just talk a little bit about Joshua. Actually, if you guys wanna just open up to the book of Joshua while um, this gets started before we review our list. So Joshua is a man of great faith. He was, he really lived out a life of being strong and courageous. So Joshua means uh, God saves or, um, or Je God is salvation or Jehovah saves. It's, you know, same thing, but God saves his people. And so that's what Joshua means. And it also means that's in Hebrew. And actually, Jesus's name is Joshua translated. So this is like the Jesus of their time where Joshua is, is um, leading the people to the promised land. And what happened? Oh, okay. So the top 10 fears that hold us back from success, or we can say 
uh, our promised land. What holds us back? Losing your freedom, the unknown, pain, disappointment, misery, loneliness, ridicule, rejection, death, or failure. We get stuck in a lot of things and in, in fear when one of these is typically going on for us. Why we're not entering that promised land while we're being stuck in the desert. You know, sometimes we don't you know, walk out and things because we feel we are afraid that we're going to fail, you know. In this case, in this story, these guys were probably afraid of dying because entering into the promised land meant that they had to fight. They had to fight a lot of battles and conquer a lot of land. So um, so we're going to just leave this list, list up for a second, but I want you to really take a look at that and see what really lives for you. <coughs> and not entering into your promised land because God wants us to be strong and courageous. And what the actual word for courageous means is, or what courage means is a quality of spirit that enables you to face danger or pain without showing fear or the ability to do things which one finds frightening. So these guys, I mean, we're going to start in Joshua 1 and verse 1 and go to chat or go to verse 9. And you'll see, these guys went through some frightening things, and I'm sure death and, and being ridiculed was two of the things that could have hold, held them back, but they chose to continue to obey the Lord and fight the battle anyway. So in verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws, obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful for wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Great start to this story. <laughs> you know, God is, is reiterating to Joshua so many times, be strong and courageous. And... It, the, the way that, that this has related to my life is, you know, the promised land. I think one of the promised lands for me was uh, getting married and, and having children. So I feel like I'm, you know, um, that God gave me the desires of my heart. But what we'll see through the, this story that, you know, God gives us direction and he gives us a vision to where to go. But it takes action on our part and it takes us fighting the battle. And so that's why um, God wants to encourage all of us to be strong and courageous. And he has no problem, um, you know, continuing to encourage us. You'll see through the whole chapter of Joshua that he continues to 
reiterate, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Um, I'm with you. So we're going to go on to Uh, verse 16, 16 in the first chapter. And it says, Then they answered Joshua, the people of Israel, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we have fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So even the people of Israel are reiterating, we are going to be strong and courageous. They get what Joshua is saying. They're very specific and clear on where they know the plan. They know that they're called to obey and that there are laws that they are, they are to keep and that God will be with them. So... The ex there's, you know, in every, in the book of Joshua and all that, I mean, I guess there's drama throughout the whole Bible, but <laughs> this one is, it's like scandalous, right? So they send out two spies into, so the first town they're going to conquer that God tells them is uh, Jericho. So they send out two spies to go check it out, but they go to a prostitute's house. I mean, they, like it's like two men, two men, and going to stay in a prostitute's home overnight. Pretty, it's okay. That's cool. Um, and, and yet, and you see, like God can use anybody, even the least likely people. Like He uses this woman to um, help them out. And so we're going to quickly read that story. So it's in the next chapter, in chapter two. Um, but the other thing too, in in researching this uh there's like all this blood and guts i mean it's just they 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 go through to battle you know for some reason i don't know i i skip over that part i guess when i've read the the old testament and and i guess i don't really think that they meant they killed the whole town i mean <laughs> like they're being serious you know what i mean like you think of like the worst movie and there's some things that you're like is this really in the bible like you know cuz you would think if it, if this was you know i heard recently you know this is the true word of god because it has all the nitty gritty details things that people would choose to specifically leave out but you see Obviously, we're not going to read the whole chapter tonight, but it's awesome. It has very, it's very detailed. It's very detailed, even where God um, wants them to go, when to go, um, how to conquer, and how to um, attack all of these different towns. It's awesome the way that God can be so specific, and I think that He can. Uh, for some reason, I think sometimes we fa we think today that God can't be so specific with us to conquer our fears that we're facing. So um, so in chapter 2, in verses 9, it says, so the two spies, it says, and, okay, sorry, in verse 8, uh, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting with fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and the earth below. 
Now then, please swear by me, by the Lord, that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. So since they went and stayed there at the, um, the prostitute's home, the king came, they, he found out, and he was like, well, where are they? And so she hid them, like it says, and, and yet she is so bold. Like You see her life being bold and courageous because she could have said, yeah, they're here, here they are, hand them over, easy peasy, right? But she decided to hide them and fought for her family's life as well. And, and they, later on, you'll see specifically that they spared her and her family's life. It said, put this red you know, thing in the window, and when they came back, they, say, they spared their lives. So again, awesome that God, the one place that they decided to go, the woman decides to save them. You know, I'm sure they didn't go into the town thinking, oh, nobody's going to, you know, it's risky. You know, they went into the town of Jericho. Obviously, they're enemies. Um, it's risky, but they took the risk anyways. And, you know, what do you know? It worked out for them to stay with her. And then, um, so, and we're going to read in 24. Just go down a little bit. It says, they said to Joshua, um, the people of Israel said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. So because of what the woman told them about the city, how they were all in fear, that gave them even more courage and ammunition to go after this town. So it's like, even though it could be scary, whatever you're entering into your life, for them it was about to conquer this this city. Risky, I'm sure it was if they were scared. But then God gives us like little encourages, encouragement along the way so that we can keep going, so that we can fight the fight. So I, I think it was worked out really awesome that this lady said, yeah, everybody's super scared here. <laughs> like, we are so scared of you. You have a real God. Um, and so then they went back and told those the people. And again, they were like, yes, we, t we totally got this. So we're going, so after they go back, um, they tell them that and they're encouraged. Then God asked them to cross the Jordan River. Again, another scary thing that they enter. And so this is, you know, this story is all about entering into the promised land, but you see each obstacle that they faced along the way. It wasn't some uh, easy ride. And so like for me in, in entering the promised land, I guess you could say, and what I wanted um, for my life, it's not easy, you know, raising two small children. Like it's really hard I have to continue to fight these battles and have you know courage each step of the way there's it's for some reason when i think about the promised land that means like no work nothing like you know um like nancy had described it last week like from going from slavery into freedom into your promised land there's going to be struggle <laughs> in between there you know it's not like some easy thing like there it takes a lot of work and so um and you really see that through this uh through this story and how god continues to uh have us act and obey and step out into crazy territory so if you can think about like rip roaring rapids like a crazy flooding river that's where they're up against now after they they're um they were out in the field and now they're going over to god's like okay cross this river i mean if, if i were them i'd be like thinking okay what is 
really crossing this Jordan River? Is there another way? Um, but you don't hear any complaining in this book either, really, um, which I think is really awesome because all of the other you know, chapters with Moses, the people always were complaining like, oh my God, why did you bring us here? Why did you bring us here? But you don't hear that in the story, which is really cool. So in chapter three, uh, crossing the Jordan River, we'll get that story in uh, verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. <coughs> so the Ark of the Covenant uh, represents God and uh, his presence with the people and the promises that um, he's uh, told the people of Israel, his children. So in verse 15, it says, Now the Jordan is at flood stage, all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Miracle. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarephan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Again, that's awesome. God's showing them miracles like we can do this I got you I'm going to show you the way I just feel like it's so encouraging the way that God continues to fight for people in this you know Jericho wasn't expecting them to cross the Jordan River you know at that time from my understanding even if you stepped into this river while it's flooding you could be whisked away and you die you drown but it took and it's also an act on faith on their part Joshua asked them to step out into the river. So it wasn't until they put their foot in the water that the water then stopped. So God does ask us to step out into things. Even it, even though it could be scary, God does ask us to do things that we need to um, step out in. And then we see his amazing presence. So after, I mean, this is thousands and thousands of people crossing a river. So... Um, Again, that's a magnificent thing that God has done for his children. And so in verse 24, uh, God had asked them to, um, where, the, uh, where the priests were standing, they, Joshua told them that there was uh, 12 leaders of all of, that represented all of the tribes. So where the priests were standing, they said to get 12 stones where they were standing to, you know, put them on the other side and remember what God had done for them that day. So, you know, they're taking them where it had said that the priests were standing was right in the middle um, of, of the river. So to take those large stones and put them on the other side so that they could remember what God had done to them. And that symbolized, you know, there was, uh, you, there was no way you could have gotten these rocks on your own unless God had stopped the river for you. So he asked them to take 12, 12 stones so that they can remember uh, what God had done. And it says, he did this so that all the people on the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. I mean, have you ever stopped a river? You know, 
<laughs> to cross it. I mean, we can't even stop traffic, you know, in order to 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 get where we want to go, you know. And yet, so many times we try to play God, you know. But it's sometimes we just need these visual reminders, you know. I think our visual reminder now is the cross, where we can look at that and remember how good God is. And that's the twelve stones with Joshua was re- just a reminder. God is powerful. Remember, in your hardest times, God is so powerful, and he's right there with you. So, and, and again, God continues to remind them about what he's promised them. You know, God did not, to me, God didn't have to promise them anything. But God's a good dad, and he continued to promise them how he would continue to provide. So, in, if you know the story of with Moses, uh, God rained down manna like bread every day because they were in the the desert you know for 40 years and God continued to provide food for them every day Um, but he said that when you enter into the promised land you'll eat of its produce produce you'll eat of you know the milk and honey of that's so flowing and it'll be awesome (coughs) so for 40 years these guys have been eating manna I don't know I mean I'd probably to me manna what that represents to me is kind of like baby food or like breast milk or something because that's just like, you know, God's continually feeding them, you know, but it probably gets boring. Like, <laughs> I mean, God uh, God is mighty and he's feeding them. Like, that's mir- like it's a miracle, right, that you're getting to eat every day. But um, it's probably got old for them. They're like, manna again, you know what I mean? Like, they were waiting and waiting upon the Lord for 40 years because they had to wait for their parents to die. They had to wait until all of these people died off that had left Egypt when they were a fighting age. So all of these, are this is like the new crew with Joshua. And so um, it says they crossed the Jordan River. Now they're in the, the plains of uh, Jericho. And in chapter 5, in verse 12, it says that the manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. You know, it's just like when a little kid eats, you know, milk all the time and they go into like solid foods and all that, it's, they're just like, their mind is like exploding. Like exploding. It's like, oh my gosh, like this is yummy food. I've, like, this is amazing. And that's what I think they were experiencing. And so after God um, stops the Jordan River, they're heading towards Jericho, and uh, <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. God's like, okay, now that I did that, now all of you guys get circumcised. They're grown men. I mean, they're a fighting age, right? Again, God's saying to circumcise the men of Israel. And so where they're at right now in the plains of Jericho, like their enemies can see them, you know, in a distance. Like, you know, I'm sure they're not like right next to them, but... Uh, Jericho was like like uh, like more of like on a a higher level or a hill or something like that, and then they had these huge walls that we'll read about, and they had men on those walls scoping out all of the areas around. That's why the woman had said that they were so afraid of them coming. So they're like camping out for two weeks in those fields, and God's like, okay, get get these guys circumcised. And so, again, that was a reminder of how powerful God is and not to rely on your flesh. So when Moses had done the circumcision, these, since these, this is the new crew, they didn't circumcise their children. So these guys, it's not circumcised again, but it's these, uh, these men are now being circumcised because they weren't circumcised before. And 
it's a reminder before they go, to me, I think it's really important, before they go into battle, before they go into these really uncharted territories and risk their lives, to, remi to remind themselves, you know, again, like I like the way that Nancy illustrates it, but, um, you know, daily, you know, more than once a day, they're going to be reminded not to rely on themselves, but to remind them of God and the promises that he has given to them. So they're there in the field, and then God gives them direction on what to do to conquer Jericho. So Again, I think sometimes God asks us to do things that kind of sound silly. He tells them, go march around the city once a day and don't say anything. Again, you don't walk around your enemy's city not say anything because they had arch archers on the, on the top where they can just have killed them. They were, it, was, it was a vulnerable spot. But what they knew what God had done for them. They knew that, I'm sure that they knew at this point in time, they had to have crossed the Jordan River, which was a miracle, and they knew about the Red Sea. They knew that whoever they were working with, that God was powerful. And so, um, but it still was risky. But I think that God did all of those things also to make their enemies afraid. So when you're walking out with the Lord, your enemies are going to be afraid of you. And that's what we want. We want our number one enemy, the, de the devil, to be afraid of us. And when we're really walking in that power, we're living a life of courage, the enemy is going to be scared out of his mind, you know. Um, but the, the enemies that we face day to day, you know, we should be, we should be scared, like, that that those are, they're meaningless compared to the God that we serve. You know, having, living in a fear of, you know, oh, what if I get rejected? You know what I mean? Like, forget that. Like, that's just pitiful, you know? We have the Holy Spirit in us that God has given us. We have power to conquer. So, um, so we're going to see that. So in cha chapter 6 in verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the people will go up, every man straight in. That's really awesome. So they obey. They do exactly what God says to the T. They march around, you know, six, six times in those six days, and... Um, then on the seventh day, the walls just come tumbling down. Again, a, a miracle. God's like, I, I want you to go in and fight this battle. And he's very specific, as we'll read um, in, in verse 17, what uh, God gives them further directions. It says, the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared. <coughs> because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. And also, 
So basically, you know, God is saying, destroy everything. Whatever, take the good stuff, the gold and the silver, and dedicate that to God. So, um, so the whole town was destroyed. They, men, women, and children, everything was destroyed except for Rahab and her family because of what she did and kept and in, in, in keeping the spies alive, as God said. So God says right there again, like, obey me. And if you bring anything out that you're not supposed to bring out, you're bringing upon your own destruction. Um, and you're bringing trouble upon the whole um, tribe of, of Israel. So they do as they ask, but, you know, Again, drama in in the story. Um, one of the God was very specific. Don't take anything out. What does somebody do? Name Achan. He takes something out, right? So chapter seven is Achan's sin, and um, okay. So we're gonna just. Uh, read about Achan's sin. I, I just find it so bizarre and what this man did because he just saw, you know, he knew what his, his, his dad went through, you know, and, and not being able to get to the promised land, you know. He just saw the Jordan River stopped. He just saw the mighty hand of God in just crumbling a city's walls to the ground and just delivering this land to his children. God continues to do all of these miracles. But these guys went in and fought the battle, though. They took the whole city. The whole, I mean, they all gathered together to, to, to take this down. And it was one man who decided, you know, who really, you'll see what, well, we'll just read the story. So it's uh, chapter 7. Uh, it says, but the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Eek. I mean, that's like, oh, that's scary. I would not want to be this guy. So in verse 4, it says, okay, so about, okay, so then after that, they were all, the whole tribe of Israel was all fired up about Jericho. They're like, wow, like the whole city fell down. Like they, I mean, they took all their men um, to go in and, and attack the city. Thousands and thousands of, of men. And so then they're on to the next area, which is Ai. So they had, again, they sent out spies. They did the whole little routine, routine again. They sent out the spies. And then they came back, and they're like, don't worry about it. Like, we got this. It only, it's going to take two to 3,000 guys to conquer this. This is going to be totally easy. And I appreciate that because there's so many times in my life where I'm like, oh, I totally got this. It's going to be super easy. That's how I felt like about... Um, you know, raising kids, like, oh, it's so easy, I love my kids, like, I got this, and then you, like, you go, and you're like, oh my God, this is so hard, like, I so need God right now, you know, um, but sometimes you just don't, you gotta go there um, to experience um, the difference, I, I just see the difference between when they fought the battle with God, and when they fought the battle without God, so, And we'll just go down a little bit in verse 7. It says, 
No, sorry. We've got to read back to uh, verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up, but they were rooted by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. So again, they went in there without God. They said, we got this. It's going to be totally easy. So they only sent a little bit of guys. And they were chased out of this land. I mean, it's like you battled, like Jericho was like the, you know, top dog at that time, right? They were able to battle and, you know, conquer that. Ai was a smaller area, and yet and they sent smaller amount of people, and they were, you know, bum rushed out of there. Like they, you know, I just get the picture of them just running, you know, like scary little puppies with their tail in between their legs, you know, like, oh my God, like what happened? Like what went wrong? And 36 people died, you know, 36 people died. When we, for me, this is an illustration. Sin in our lives affect not just you, it affects so many other people. It was one man's disobedience. He was acting out in fear. I'm sure it was, you know, his fear was, what if God doesn't provide when we get to the promised land? So let me keep and hide these items. Um, the man Achan, you know, let me just, you know, hoard this gold and silver just in case, you know, God doesn't provide. And that one man affected the whole tribe. The last sentence we just read, it said that all the people's hearts became like water. Then you see Joshua. He's a man of great faith. He's already taken them this far. Um, it, you know, he was the one that originally when Moses was, was alive, I think he was about 20, he looked at the whole land and was like, no, we got this. Like, I know that God's going to be with us. So look what Joshua is now saying. In uh, verse 7, and Joshua said, Oh, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites and to destroy us? If only we had, be con had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what can I say now that Israel has been rooted by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this, and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? Man. So now Joshua, like, where's Joshua's faith in this? Like, he's not even acting out in, in his faith. He's like, what? Like, we're totally going to be destroyed. Like, what happened? I mean, this is just, I mean, this is just one small battle, but he's, like, totally lost faith. Like, faith. Like, everybody's going to kill us. Like, what happened? Like, what's wrong? You know, it, how many times do we say the same thing? Like, God, like, why don't, why don't I just stay on the other side where I was comfortable? Like, you know, why did I have to invite somebody to church when they said no? I totally feel rejected now. You know, like, we go through these same kind of mentalities. Like, why did I do that? I should have just stayed comfortable. Why? You're going to, now I look stupid in front of my enemies or my friends or whatever. We go through the same little thing, you know. But what does God say? He says, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? I think that's awesome. I think if we're really like in tune and walking with God, like we can hear that from God. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, really? I'm right here. Um, but he says, uh, is, uh, God is a good dad. And uh, he cares for his children. And, and I really see that God really sees the bigger picture of what's going on here. And um, Joshua didn't, you know, he didn't know what had happened. And so uh, about Achan's sin. So it says, Israel had sinned, has sinned. And, he, you know, it's not that God's even calling out one person. He's saying the whole 
tribe of Israel, his children have sinned. Um, so it's not just one person, and you can't just blame this one person. It One person does affect others. And so, as you see, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. But they have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. So then Joshua calls out the whole tribe of Israel, tribe by tribe by tribe, um, the 12 tribes and all of the different leaders and all of these thousands of men, to say some of you, one, somebody has stolen, like who stole what? So they, you know, do this interrogation, I guess, <laughs> I'm assuming. And uh, so Achan says that, yes, I, I stole something. Um, and they went and found it in his tent. And in fact, he went and dug up a hole and put the gold under the ground. Which kind of reminds me of the, the, <clears throat> the story with Jesus and the talents, where the guy hid the one thing that the one talent he got under the ground. And God's like, like, or Jesus is like, what did like really you went and hid that in the ground? You know, same thing for this guy. You like really? So, the plot thickens. It says in uh, verse twenty-five, this is in the Bible. It says Joshua said, "Why?" Ha-? So he's talking to Achan. Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. So Joshua's calling him out. Why have you brought us into trouble? It already cost 36 people to die because you went and stole a gold piece of gold. Like, you know, to me it's like, really? You really went and, you know, it wasn't worth that. So we continue on and it says in verse 25, then all Israel stoned him and after that, they had stoned the rest. They burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Trouble, is what it means, ever since. Ever since Joshua wrote this book. So then in, uh, after that, they had to get rid of the sin. The sin was now cut off. The person that caused that, I mean, it costs his, his life and all of his family's life. I mean, that's really, it, it's really sad what sin does. You know, it, it really does take us out. And you can see that um, uh, in, in both ways. Like, sometimes it really takes our literal life, and sometimes it takes, you know, pieces of our lives where it, you know, keeps us trapped in that fear um, where we don't move it forward. So, um you see that, that that was the consequence of the sin. And so this verse really reminds me that uh, God's really serious when he says, he gives direction. He was very specific. They even agreed with, yes, I agree. We are not going to take anything. You know, God said, you're going to bring upon your own destruction. You know, God's not, God doesn't want to kill people. Like, that's totally not God's heart. God's, the whole thing with Joshua is God saves. You know, that was the whole point for, for this going into the promised land. Uh, but 
you know, these people were disobedient. There's a consequence to that. Um, sometimes I think that, you know, I know for me, myself, like I don't take God seriously sometimes when I feel like he's giving me directions. It's just kind of like, oh, maybe I can go this way or go that way. But like he said to, to Joshua, like, don't go to the left of it or go to the right of it. You be strong and courageous and, and you carry out my plan. Um, and again, that shows us that we have our own choices. God cannot make choices for us. You know, um, God can say, here, this is it. You choose. You know, that's, I, I feel like that re- is very clear here. Um, so now they're back on the right path. And it's in verse uh, chapter 8, in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. So they go and conquer. We're going to just skip through chapter 8 through uh, chapter 12. Basically, it's how uh, it goes through. You see, this is where the really juicy stuff gets, but unfortunately, I cannot share that with you all tonight. Um, but you, they see all of these different regions and different lands where they um, they go in and conquer, and they conquer all of the, the land that God and the people that God had originally had said to them. God had told Moses, like, in chapters 13 through tw- through 21, it's the land allotment. So Moses was very specific on what each tribe was going to get. So they conquered those lands, and then now uh, they were in these chapters, uh, God gives the, the lands to each of them specifically. So it's on point. You see, that's why I appreciate the Bible and all of these boring names and things is because he's reiterating, I'm serious about what I'm talking about. I, if I say I'm going to give you a blue bike, I'm going to give you a blue bike. You know what I mean? Like, if your God is very specific. So he gave, you know, the promised land to his people. He was, you know, God is a man, uh, you know, of his word. And he said, I'm going to give you all this land, and he did. And so, again, it's written down um, in all of these chapters, and it's an awesome day. I mean, they these guys waited for 40 years to even be able to get there. You know, they were wandering around in the desert for 40 years. So this is like their glory day right now. Um, so I'm going to just close it up in chapter, again, to just reiterate in Joshua 23 and uh, verse 14. Uh, so at this point in time, Joshua was old. Like I said, they had he, Joshua was already twenty. It's been forty years, and they've been fighting for all these years um, to conquer all of these uh, different areas and, and territories. It says, "Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth." Like he's going to die. Uh, it says, "You know, with all your heart and your soul, that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed." So again, it's specifically there. He's like, Joshua's like, you know what God promised you, he's done for you. Um, And then, and just flip over, you know, this is his talk with all of Israel. This is like his final, this is like his last speech, you know, to the people. He's really old and... um, and, and I think it's really cool, though, too. So at this point in time, all of the enemies are defeated. They have their land. But even at this time, when Joshua is really old, God even still says, Joshua, I know that you're really old, but there's still more land to conquer. Again, that's, that's awesome. You know, when you, whatever your promised land is today, like, you'll get there. 
if you if you're living strong egregious, I guarantee you'll get there. And then God's like, there's still more territory to go. There's still more. There's still more. God always has more for us. There's always more um, promised land for us to conquer uh, with God's help. And it's reminders of how powerful and how awesome God is. And God really wants us to all experience the rest that um, like the Israelites di- uh, experienced in that time. And uh and another awesome thing that it says in Joshua that the promised land, uh, it represented, you know, that it was a land that they didn't have to sow, you know, into the land. They didn't have to wait for the harvest, but they went in there and the harvest was, was already there. You know, they didn't have to toil and, and, and wait all that time for all that yummy food that they had been, I'm sure, dying for for 40 years. You know, that God kept saying, the land of milk and honey, land of milk and honey. I mean, I like food. So I'm like, when it's milk and honey, I mean, it sounds amazing, you know. And um, God brought them there after all of these battles and fights and, and stepping out in faith. Uh, and But yet again, Joshua in chapter 24 and verse 15 it says, oh. he gives us a choice at the end of the day. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And then in uh Verse 19, he tells him, you're not able to serve God. He's holy and he's jealous and he will not forgive your rebellion, your sins. And he's, you know, but I think it's just funny. He was like, no, no, you can't. You're not going to be able to serve God. Like he's, he's serious. He's all powerful. You're not going to be able to serve him. Um, But then they all proclaim, no, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. So he said, for me, I'm going to serve God, you know, but for you, you have a choice. And you know, it, so he, to me, I think the question that he's saying or the statement that he's saying that, oh, you can't serve God because it's not an easy task. It takes being a person of courage and faith. And you see that in Joshua's life and the way that he conquered so much and was able to live in the promised land. And so uh, the last little section in my header, it says Joshua was buried in the promised land. Like, that's awesome. He saw the promised land. Moses, he never got to see it. That's super sad. He never got to see it, but Joshua was able to be buried there and live and, and, and be buried there. Um, so he lived an awesome life. And and how, you know, now that Jesus is, you know, for them, uh, Jesus was uh, Joshua to them, you know, but now we have Jesus and we have that power of, of faith and um, uh, we have the power in the Holy Spirit. You know, we can act out in faith and we can do miracles now like God did the miracles in, um, you know, stopping the uh, the Jordan River. I think all of those great things that God did for them, like he has given us so much power in uh, in Jesus Christ, and we have that gift, and because God really wants for us to have a, a life of rest and, and peace, and you know, again, like uh, Christ didn't come to condemn us, but to, for us to have a full life. You know, that's my favorite verse, John ten ten. Like Christ came so that we can have a full life, and so that takes living a life of courage, and you know. What that means is, uh, to me, it means listening to God and, and, and being in communication with God.
through your life, when you face an obstacle, check in with God. How do I face this? How do I get through this? You know, how do I, this flowing river that I'm up against, how can I cross over that? But the big thing I want to encourage all of you tonight is you can totally get there. God wants you to be in your promised land. You can be there. You can live there all the days of your life. You know, God really, really wants that for us. He doesn't want for us to live in fear and not get there. Um, so I really challenge all of you tonight to look at your enemies. You know, what en enemies are you up against and facing, you know, on that list that's preventing you from being and living in your promised land? Um, you know, so what can you do now to conquer those obstacles that are keeping you back from your promised land? You know, and I encourage you, if you haven't even thought about what that looks like for you in your life, please do, because God really wants for us. I know it can be scary. Like, I don't want to think about anything better for my life because I'm scared what that means. But God's like, no, no, I got you. You know, I stopped a river for my people. You know, I tore down a whole city for my people. That's how much I love you. And that's how, you know, I've sent my son to die for each of you. So I really want for you to live in the promised land. So, um, you know, the action step is like, what can we do today right now to um, get to our promised land? So that's what I have for you guys uh, tonight. And again, there's really juicy details when you read the book of Joshua and, all, and um, all of the details. If you like war movies, um, which I actually do. I really love like World War II movies and stuff like that. Um, that's actually one of my old favorites, but um, I can't remember what it's called though. There's one in particular, but anyways, good history in there of um, wars and, and uh, you know, it's not just for guys or whatever, but it's some really juicy stuff in the word of God that God wants for all of us to check out and read. Uh, so that's about it. Thanks, guys.